We begin today by talking about the host of a very popular podcast. And this podcast describes itself as the place where science meets pop culture. And the host is renowned both for his scientific acumen, but as well as being a pop culture icon himself. We talk about his opinion on many things, and we read the words of Abraham Lincoln, sort of. Oh, and black cats. There are so many black cats in this episode. And all of this is on the way to answering the question, what does Neil deGrasse Tyson actually say about theology? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest and you're invited along for the journey. All right, I want to begin by saying that I have, well, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, ambivalent feelings about Neil deGrasse Tyson. I know he will be totally devastated to hear it. I mean, I think he is an amazing, eloquent, and persuasive spokesperson for astronomy, physics, and science in general. And let me say that none of my negative opinions are shaped by his beliefs it's really his verbal expression of his negativity towards religion, faith, and sometimes even other academic pursuits that at times really kind of bothers me and puts me off. Now, as an interesting aside, and it will become related in a moment, I will say that I have seen online that many atheists vocally celebrate their understanding that the man, Dr. Tyson, who is arguably, I would say, the most famous scientist in the United States today, they celebrate the fact that he is an atheist like them. I mean, I have listened to him a lot, and I would have to agree that he seems, to me, to be kind of firmly in the atheistic camp. Now, having said that, I have never heard him use the word atheist to describe himself, but lots of atheists, and this Christian here, agree that he sure sounds like he's an atheist. But evidently, he does not buy into this description of himself. When asked about his religious beliefs, he replied, and this is a direct quote from him, I remain unconvinced by any claims anyone has ever made about the existence or the power of a divine force operating in the universe. Okay, those sure sound like the words of an atheist to me. So why doesn't he claim that designation? Well, mostly because he sees the word atheist as being an active word. Atheists, according to him, are actively proclaiming their beliefs and trying to get the world to change. He has no interest in any of that, according to him. And as he says, similarly, he doesn't play golf either, but there doesn't need to be a word created to describe him as a non-golfer. One of the funny things about being a minister is that I have actually had many people over the years tell me that they are an atheist, sometimes church members no less. 15- to 17-year-old teenagers in particular delight in announcing to their church-going parents that they are now atheists. Sometimes they're just trying to get out of waking up and going to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes they just enjoy the reaction this proclamation elicits from their, well, now panicked parents. But sometimes they have actually thought about it and come to what they consider to be a reasoned 
conclusion. And interestingly, it's not unusual for the parents to encourage, okay, sometimes insist, all right, other times, more often than not, actually downright demand these teenagers come speak to me. The parents are panicked at the new announcement. And normally, I'm not. And my reason I'm not concerned is this. You might be surprised how many clergy themselves went through an atheistic phase in their youth. Rather than this phase meaning that they are turning their backs on faith, it often means that they are actually deeply considering it at this point in their life. What I will say is that more than a few times I have talked them out of their atheism. Ah, oh, such a silver-tongued evangelist that you are. We're suddenly Irish, are we? Yeah, I find it more fun to say the word silver-tongued with an Irish accent. <laughs> okay, good enough. Yes, I talked them out of their atheism, but no, probably not in the way you think when you hear me say that. Very often, the teen says to me something like, I've decided I'm an atheist because I'm just not sure about all of this. So I tell them there's another word between believer and non-believer, between, in their case, Christian and atheist, and that word means unsure. It is, of course, the word agnostic. So often the teen will go, oh, okay, then I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. But Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm coming back to him, I promise, is the rare case where I hear him and I think, no, you call yourself an agnostic, but you sure sound like an atheist to me. Now, having said all of this, when being asked about being an atheist, he responded in the following way, and I'll actually let you listen to him say it. I'm constantly claimed by atheists. I, I find this intriguing. In fact, on my wiki page, I, I didn't create the wiki page, others did, and I'm flattered that people cared enough about my life to assemble it. And it said, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is an atheist. I said, well, that's not really true. I said, let me, I said, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a agnostic. Went back a week later, it had been, it, it, it said Neil Tyson is an atheist again, within a week. And I said, what's, what's up with that? And I said, I right, now I have to word it a little differently. So I said, okay, Neil deGrasse Tyson, widely claimed by atheists, is actually an agnostic. So here's the point I'm trying to get to here. I am a firm believer in letting people decide what they are. Everyone should be allowed to choose what labels, if any, get attached to them. And he says that of the terms that are available in our language, he believes that agnostic is the closest to describing him. And far be it from me to tell him how he believes or what should be used to describe his thought or belief system. Anyway, I was on the internet not long ago, and there was a quote from none other than Neil deGrasse Tyson, and that quote is the impetus for this episode. This quote describes several kind of academic philosophical pursuits, philosophy, metaphysics, theology, and of course science, and it describes each of those by using an analogy. The analogy of trying to find a black cat in a dark room. Perhaps you've seen it. If not, I'm going to read it to you in just a second. But before I read it to you, I should say that I know Dr. Tyson does not have a very high regard for philosophy. How do I know that? In an interview on the Nerdist podcast, he was heard saying that philosophy is, yeah, what's the word he used? Oh, yeah, useless. Philosophy is useless and that a philosophy major can really mess you up. And I think it's fair to say 
that if that is his opinion of philosophy, then his opinion of theology would be surely somewhere probably significantly beneath that. So let's move on to the quote. Here's the quote. Philosophy is like being in a dark room and looking for a black cat. Metaphysics is like being in a dark room and looking for a black cat that isn't there. Theology is like being in a dark room and looking for a black cat that isn't there and shouting, I found it. Science is like being in a dark room looking for a black cat while using a flashlight. After I saw this quote, I was puzzled. In some ways, it sounds like in some ways, it sounds like the kind of dismissive thing he might say in regards to the pursuits that are named here. But there are a couple of problems here. First, there was no attribution. Are you quite sure about that? Sounds like you've already said that it was attributed quite clearly. Yes, it was attributed to him, but there wasn't anything else. No date, no forum at which he said it, nor is any writing or book listed as the source of this quote. Pretty sure books and writing did not need to be listed separately. Now, if I can encourage you in your online life, don't ever repost a quote that doesn't have something that tells the reader, the viewer online, where this quote was taken from. And it might even behoove you to check it before you post it. Because if you don't, more often than not, you are simply posting, reposting something that isn't true and was made up. Or, to say it better, and quote someone far wiser and more eloquent, this is from Abraham Lincoln, be cautious and filled with self-protecting vigilance, for you cannot trust the quotes you encounter upon the virtual technologies of this day. You made that up. Okay, yeah, I'm sure everyone picked up on the fact that that quote from Abraham Lincoln isn't real. Actually, I did make it up. And then, just for fun, I created an antique-looking meme with the quote. I'm going to post it on my SkyPilot Facebook page because I am really way too proud of it. Okay, anyway, so back to Neil deGrasse Tyson's internet quote. I did. In order to be cautious, I looked it up, just to be sure, as I said. And guess what? Yeah, he didn't say it. It has evidently been attributed, not just to him, but to a number of famous people over the years. As I said, Dr. Tyson is not the first. Charles Darwin is even among the people who have been credited as having said this. As a matter of fact, it's been around for a long time, even long before the Internet. It can be traced back, at least back, to the 1890s. Yeah, if only it went back a little further than that, we could claim Abraham Lincoln said that too. So the quote you found is not real, so we're done here, right? Well... Don't get your hopes up. Not quite. I think it's worth still taking a look at because it's really popular. And I want to hold up what it says, what it's trying to do. When I do premarital counseling with couples who are engaged to be married, one of the most important things I do in that counseling is I teach them how to fight. Yeah, that's probably not the best way of saying it. A better way of saying this is how to listen to each other in the midst of a disagreement. The most important skill anyone can learn in conflict, not just in marriage, but in any kind of conflict, is the ability to say to the other person what their belief, their position, their feelings are in a way that that person responds with, yes, that is exactly how I feel or believe or think. The goal is not 
to change your own beliefs. Just state the other person's position in a way that they believe you understand them. Not agree with them, just understand them. So today we have a quote that purports to describe three different areas of study. Now, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to limit us to three of the four. Metaphysics is really a subset of philosophy, so I'm going to leave it out for the sake of brevity. I believe it's too late for that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So let's go back to the quote, and this time, listen with your ear attuned to the following question. Does this fairly describe each of these endeavors in a way that a scientist, theologian, and philosopher would themselves agree with? Okay, here's the quote again. Philosophy is like being in a dark room and looking for a black cat. Theology is like being in a dark room and looking for a black cat that isn't there and shouting, I found it. Science is like being in a dark room looking for a black cat while using a flashlight. So let's start with philosophy. Would someone who is studying philosophy look at this description and say, yes, that's exactly the nature of what philosophy is? Yeah, I think not. Let's be honest, describing a pursuit as similar to looking for a black cat in a dark room is really intended to make the endeavor sound futile and silly right from the outset. Now let's look at theology. Notice that the description of theology is phrased in such a way as to make it clear that it is already false before it gets started. Looking for a black cat that isn't there. So obviously no theologian would ever agree with this description of theology. So the problem with this quote is that it in no way is an attempt to fairly or accurately depict all the different areas of study. Quite to the contrary, it is a pretty blatant attempt to skew the perception of those who see it. So let me change the description. Life is filled with interesting and surprising discoveries. So I will go more in that direction. Imagine that the journey of life is like walking along a path out in nature. As you're walking through this path, the path of life, suddenly you notice that there are 30 pebbles or so stacked one on top of the other, and they are perfectly balanced in a column, and it catches your attention. If you are a scientist, you say, this is fascinating. I don't know how they are balancing in such a way to keep this formation but I have a couple ideas. I will form a theory and test it to see if it is correct. I will try to discover the physical forces at work here. If you're a philosopher, you say, look at those rocks. They are interesting. But as I wonder about them, I also wonder why I'm interested. Why do I find this stack of pebbles more interesting than the last pile of pebbles that I passed? What do I actually know about these pebbles? And how do I even know that there are stacked pebbles in front of me? If you're a theologian, perhaps you say, look at that amazing stack of pebbles. This causes me to wonder larger things and question, where did the pebbles come from? Who created them? Why are they here? What is the intent of whoever created these pebbles? And how does all of that relate to how I'm supposed to live my life? Now, I know that none of these are perfect descriptions because, let's be honest, they try in just a few sentences to describe broad and very complex fields. But I hope, and I will probably find out shortly through email and messages, I hope I have fairly accurately depicted each in a way 
that's not intended to strengthen one while, say, diminishing your opinion of the others. Remember, we started with talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson's belief. And I said that at the end of the day, everyone has the right of self-description. Neil deGrasse Tyson does. Scientists do. Philosophers do. Even theologians do. Every single person of any form of belief or study has the right of self-description. Now, scientists don't get the right to define religion, and theologians don't get the right to define science. You as a Christian, you don't get to make a determination about what other people who are part of other faiths believe. And if you're an atheist, you don't get to tell believers what they believe. Now, I'm going to give you an example from my own life. I've been told at times, a number of times, that because I am a Christian and because I believe in the Trinity, I therefore believe in three gods. And normally I will respond to that by going, yeah, actually, that's not my belief. I believe in one God. The person, I think every time I've had this conversation, the person responds with saying, yes, you do. The Trinity is a belief system in three gods. I, on the other hand, only believe in one. All I can say in answer to this is, you know, when you tell me that you only believe in one God, I believe you, because who knows better what you believe than you? I sure hope you'll grant me the same courtesy when I tell you what I believe. Now, I hope we can all treat each other with exactly the same courtesy as we make our way through this thing called life. You get to decide what you believe. Other people, likewise, get to decide what they believe. Seems like a pretty simple and workable system. To me, that is. That's all for today. We touched on a lot of hot-button topics. The atheism and religion topic, the agnosticism and atheism topic, the philosophy, religion, and science topic. What do you think? Is the world a better place if we allow each other the right of self-description? Or maybe you believe there is something to gain in our confronting each other when we're sure, when we're convinced that... The other person is not describing their own beliefs in a way that we find honest or accurate or true. Let me know what you think. Or send me a topic you'd like to hear covered in a future episode. My email address is dan at skypilot.zone. And as always, I would love to hear from you. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for joining us here today and being part of the SkyPilot FaithQuest community. This is a great place to ask questions you wouldn't feel comfortable or safe asking in other places. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. Mm -hmm.